0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Unity Podcast brought to you by Unibridge. I'm Yun Jung your host for today. On this episode of the podcast, we have an incredibly special guest. She's from our Unibridge team and she's a rising sophomore at UC Berkeley. Let's welcome Shin to our show today. Hi! <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> what kind of reaction is that?
1: <laughs> I mean... <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, let's be normal. Hi everyone, um, I'm Shin. As Yin Cheng has mentioned, I am a sophomore at UC Berkeley, and I guess today I'm here to talk about applying undeclared.
0: Yep. But actually, right, beyond talking about undeclared, right, what I want to discuss with you about today is something that I think many of us Singaporean students may not be very good at, and I'm definitely guilty of that myself as well. It's about um embracing uncertainty and deviating from, like, a fixed path of success or what um people think is like the fixed path towards success lah. So um I guess the first thing that I, will be interesting to talk about is uh as you mentioned your undeclared status. So um why did you choose to apply undeclared to Berkeley? Maybe just give like a brief context to some of us, uh some of the uninitiated, right? Like what exactly is applying undeclared?
1: Right, okay. So Actually, applying undeclared is, like, not that unusual in the US, contrary to popular belief. Um, it's essentially not, like, declaring or, like, kind of, like, having a fixed major when you enter university or, like, college. Essentially, you are leaving your options open and you are ready to go into school and kind of, like, test a few things out, give yourself up to two years in the US. Before you actually like fix on your, your major or majors and then say, okay, this is what I'm going to declare my major to be. Yeah, so that's what undeclared
0: is. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you choose to apply undeclared? <laughs> because that's not like a very common thing for, I think, Singaporeans to do. Because most of them, you know, I, most of the people that I see, right, they apply for, let's say for the UK, they apply for law, they apply for, you know, medicine or... PPE. Then for the US, they apply for things like, you know, signs you know, uh, engineering-related things, e econ- that's a very popular one as well. But why undeclared?
1: Okay, uh, TLDR, right? Just because I don't really know I w- I did not really know what I wanted to do. But, uh-huh. you know, the more long and legit kind of explanation is that I personally don't really believe in, like, making these kinds of, like, huge, sort of, like, Impacting your life decisions like this early, like I think that we are still young, and I want to live like I'm young, um, <laughs> in a way. And also, mm-hmm. like I never really had maybe let's say a particularly strong interest or like passion for like a few while growing up. Like I have friends who, for example, they knew from young that they want to like oh um take care of animals and stuff like that. But I just didn't have that, so. I felt like I wasn't ready to really just before I even enter uni and like explore the subjects that I didn't get to explore in JC in Singapore, I wasn't ready to like choose something random like kind of like out of the air and just say this is what I'm going to do for four years in school. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the major reasons why I chose to go to the US as well because in the UK, it's very normal for people to go in with like a very good idea of what they want to do because that's kind of how the system in the UK is structured. But the US is a lot more free in this in this sense. In like mm. you can take your time, you can still explore different things.
0: Yeah. So, um, were there any like challenges that you faced when applying? Like what? Like because to me, right, it's almost inconceivable to apply undeclared because like, I, I I worry as in like because like, I'm so used to the fact, right, that I have to, you know, explain to everyone, like, hey, you know, this is my goal and I'm working towards it in, like, a certain way. But, you know, when applying undeclared, like, how do you bring bring across, like, that point to, like, let's say the admissions officer, for example, in the US? Like, how do you write your essays? How do you approach your essays? Mm. Or how do you, like, even talk to your teachers about this and asking them to, like, like, write, write your referrals, things like that?
1: Hmm, honestly, it's <laughs> inconceivable for me to th- think of applying with a major, but okay. Um, uh-huh. I feel like, in terms of application, while I was applying to the US, like, having a major wasn't really that important to, like, a lot of mm-hmm. schools. And um, for the UCs in particular, I don't actually recall being forced to write any essay or anything related to, like my major or like my particular academic interests. But I know that there are some other schools that I applied for that I did stumble on like essays like that and you know I didn't get into the schools but I guess um, this is really just about like you know what the schools are looking for and what you are looking for and they kind of have to be a fit. So in a sense I wouldn't say that there was any struggle. Or mm-hmm. anything. I didn't feel like it was a big deal at all for applying to the US because they are generally very holistic in their focus. So they mm-hmm. ask a lot more about like extracurricular activities, leadership, personality, um, even like, mm-hmm. I don't know, contribution to society or something like that. And a lot mm-hmm. more so than any academic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. For teachers, I feel like asking for a referral from my teachers, I guess... The people that I asked, they knew me well enough to not be surprised that I'm like this, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I guess I do feel like it is a thing in Singapore to like make it very clear that oh, um, this is what I want to study, this is what I want to do in the future, um, mm-hmm. this is my entire life plan, just like charted out, and that's ridiculous mm-hmm. in my opinion because you don't know shit, mm-hmm. um. So, I guess for a very long time, for a lot of years, because I was so, like, unsure myself of what I wanted, I have also made that very clear to, like, the people around me that, you know, I just don't know and I'm not going to make my decision until I actually get to explore. So, mm-hmm. in a sense, that's just how I got through all the years and even in uni, so, like, this going a little bit into, like, um, just the general, like, life mm-hmm. of being an undeclared person in uni, right, like... It's a bit weird at first because everybody in uni kind of like orientation and stuff, they'd be like, oh, um, my name is this and I'm majoring in this, and then I'll just mm-hmm. be like, oh hi, I'm Shin, I am undeclared, I'm undecided, <laughs> and I'm ha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of just like how I went about it. But I don't think that anybody really cares either. Um mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people who do introduce themselves with their majors, they're gonna end up changing their minds anyway. So like,
0: mm-hmm. what's the point? That's true. It's quite common in the US, right, to kind of switch your major.
1: Yes, it's very common to switch, but it's still not that common for people to say they're undeclared. But you know, be brave. Uh Be a trans (laughs) actor.
0: Sure, you're embracing your identity. Correct. (laughs) Yes. So, um, let's talk about some of the challenges that you faced. Then, like, how was the whole process? Like, you know, going to university, not not really knowing what you want to do, and how do you go about exploring? the different majors and which courses you like.
1: Mm, okay. So I guess some things that were a bit um difficult is, I guess it can be like a bit pressurizing. Like everybody sounds like they know what they're doing. Like that's one thing. But mm. you know, as I mentioned, I'm sure they don't actually. And people have proven <laughs> to me they don't actually. So like, it's fine. Uh-huh. Um. That's one. And then another thing that might be a little bit more significant is that when you are undeclared and when you don't really know like exactly what you want to do, it might be a little bit difficult to like immediately find an academic community in school, like mm-hmm. because you don't know what you're a major in, you don't tend to dive headfirst into like a dedicated academic club, for example, or like a professional mm-hmm. frat. And therefore, you may not like have that group of people that you just know are doing the same major as you, and that you can do mm-hmm. your classes with and everything. So that part is a bit difficult, and I I think it just comes with time as you really explore and maybe you meet people with like, similar interests that are like across a few of your classes, and you do choose a major. Then I think that you know that one will come later, a bit later for like people who apply on mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what was your question? <laughs>
0: How was like the exploration process? Like like finding the courses that you like and exploration
1: process. I would say right for me right, especially my first two semesters, I really just like took the entire UC Berkeley class catalog. And I mm-hmm. filtered out everything that I didn't want. Which is like, you know, everything science and math related. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I really just scrolled the whole thing. I'd be like, oh my god, this is interesting. Oh my god, that's interesting. And then I just mm-hmm. like compile a whole list. And then I kind of like, from there I, solter- I, I just, you know, really like sorted and filtered based on my like, interest. It's just pure interest. Mm-hmm. And that's something I feel like I was in, maybe let's say, a privileged position to do as someone who didn't have a major because I wasn't of the mindset that, oh my God, this is my major. I need to take classes that um, fulfill requirements and I'm going to graduate and stuff like that. I didn't have that in mind because I was there to explore. And so I was exploring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of a complication there is that it can be a lot more difficult to like, you know, put your timetable or your class schedule together when you have so many options. That was a little bit of a headache mm-hmm. my first SEM. But like, besides that, I think, you know, there's a small sacrifice to really just get to do whatever you want without like, I don't know, psychological <laughs> limitations. Yeah.
0: So you did this for like a whole year, right? Like both sims, just exploring and...
1: Kind of. The first SEM was like a lot more so than the second SEM because like by the second SEM I was like, okay, I'm going to like do some things that are completely unrelated to what I want to do, like CS... But, you know, these are classes that I have in mind that I want to, like, Mm -hmm. somehow achieve in my time at Berkeley because Mm -hmm. it's necessary as a milestone and just to say I'm not useless at (laughs) STEM, (laughs) yes.
0: Okay. Um, So, eventually, did you manage to find something that interests you?
1: I am in the process of doing that. But, yes, I think that after one year and one gap, Sam, I have... Mm -hmm kind of like settled down or i'm leaning very heavily in the direction of like a two majors that i'm probably mm-hmm. gonna like take as double majors oh right one more mm-hmm. thing that i want to add right is that if you're going to us it's okay to apply undeclared like you still have time to graduate um <laughs> so, right like, like that might be something that people are like fearing and stuff like that but like it's okay not to, like, go in already driving towards your graduation because I took two SAMs doing absolutely whatever. I took one gap SAM mm. off and I'm still going to have time to do a double major. So, like, in that sense, you really have the time and, you know, you really mm. should give yourself the time. Mm. Um Yeah, so back to the two majors that I am heavily considering. One of it is sociology. So, how I kind of like settled on sociology was that this was a subject that is more common right like um mm. it's something that a lot of people maybe on the humanities and social sciences side would think about as they go into uni mm. so similarly i was kind of like this was something that i already knew i was intended to look into because like you know mm. worse come to worse if nothing happens and i don't get any inspiration i'm just going to do sociology yeah uh-huh. so like that was why I went into uni thinking and as I explored it, as I attended a few like intro classes and I, you know, kind of like checked out the upper div- upper division classes which are like for like sophomores, juniors and seniors, I found that mm-hmm. they all sounded very interesting. I was enjoying the things I was reading and I was learning from the classes mm-hmm. and I, f- I felt like this would be something that I would be excited to continue learning like, mm-hmm. um, especially in America, like the syllabus it's it kind of like it's a lot wider, I feel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Singapore's so one and there's like just so much ridiculous things that you can gain. So yeah, that was part of the reason why I really was interested. I got more and more interested in sociology as a major. And mm-hmm. my second one is legal studies. So this is a little bit less common, I feel, because not all countries' systems work the same as the US one where you have to, like, mm-hmm. where you cannot declare law, like, immediately and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I never actually thought about doing legal studies because I didn't know about it um, because I wasn't interested in law and I'm still not. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my first semester in Berkeley, I took a very small class offered by the Legal Studies Department on, like, the mm-hmm. US Constitution. And it really turned out to be, like, my fav- most favourite class of the mm-hmm. semester. right? Like, a lot of it had to do with the professor. He was a practicing lawyer in SF who only came down to campus one day a week to teach. I thought that was quite mm-hmm. cool. And, like, he was, like, very passionate. Um, he really wanted us to learn. He was very focused on, like, making sure that we had the thought process right instead of, like, any sort mm-hmm. of memorization or whatever. And... Mm-hmm. Also, he was one of the first teachers in a long time to really, really correct my grammar. So, it was a plus on his side. And yeah, uh-huh. so that experience, that class, it really opened me up to like, checking out this field as a potential like major or minor. And then uh-huh. as I continued exploring like their classes and stuff like that, I again found them very fascinating. So like, that's why I also decided on legal studies as another major.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, you know, you you talked about like how... Like this teacher, right? Managed to spark your interest in legal studies, right? So actually, a follow up question on that. So how much has the school supported, like your 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 entire journey exploring different majors, and like what kind of support system was in place for you to do so?
1: Um, <laughs> we're in the public school, right? They're not going to give us shit support. <laughs> 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 no, cut that out. Uh, <laughs> right. Well. Um, UC Berkeley is a public school, so we don't really get like as much targeted individual personalized support mm-hmm. as maybe like a public a private school would offer. Mm-hmm. But I would say that because it's the US, because they are not fixated on you having a major in the first place. Some mm-hmm. of the things they do are really like just, you know, ensuring that you can still have a chance to apply for like different classes across different fields. Um we are we all have like we're all assigned and advisor like attached to yeah we're all assigned an advisor and like there's this advisor is often not major specific so like we go to major advisors for like major specific questions and once we do mm-hmm. declare a major i think we will have a major advisor but um before that we have general advisors that we can ask all like, our oh, questions to about like everything Really, Mm -hmm. they're just like, they just kind of know like the broad sense of everything that's going on in the college and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's one way that they really help us. Um, I think what if they don't really restrict you? Oh, but there are some classes that have reserved seats. This is something else that I've had a bit of a problem with, which is Mm -hmm. like, you cannot enroll in that class unless you are a declared major. So, this is a little bit inconvenient, especially if you want to take upper-division classes because like they reserve them for like the majors so that you know they can get the seats in the class and they can graduate on time. Mm-hmm. So, if you take too long to declare your major, that might be a little bit of a problem. But otherwise, mm-hmm. it's all good. And I've also found that these are classes that they also offer in summer semesters. And in the summer, they don't reserve the seats. So,
0: all good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, now that... A- uh, actually right uh, just to give our audience a bit of context right um, Shin mentioned just now that she has, still has time to complete uh, a double major uh, but maybe you can share with everyone like how many units do you take in your you know first two SEMs in Berkeley and I was like do you just chung all the way like like a th- typical Singaporean would no 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 no. I was lacking
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Inja already knows this and he's asking while laughing silently. <laughs> I, I, I didn't take a lot of units in my first two semester. Um I feel like maybe second semester had a little bit of excuse because COVID came. Um <laughs> the first semester was all... Okay, I wasn't like completely slacking. Like, you know I wasn't like below the Minimum limit or anything, but I wasn't taking, I wasn't overloading like some of my crazy friends. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't taking like way above the limit or anything. I was taking a very comfortable amount. I was spending like half my semester, like literally half of it, like traveling and like not in school. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I did fine, so (laughs) don't worry, play more.
0: Actually, right, uh, do you mind telling everyone how many units you took?
1: Oh, but it's different across schools, eh? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like... It's not what like was the Berkeley, what's the Berkeley minimum? Berkeley's minimum for my college, which is, which is like the College of Letters and Science, mm-hmm. which is like everything besides engineering, chemistry, and I don't know what, business or something. Um, mm-hmm. Our minimum for international students is 13. You drop any lower, you get deported. <laughs> 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 I took like 14 or 15, I guess. Our maximum Mm. is 20, and if you want to be crazy, like, some people I know, and take, like, 24 or 27, you have to, like, specially request for that from your advisor.
0: Uh
1: Yeah. So, my first two times, I was chilling.
0: Yes. So, what do you do with that chill time?
1: Play. Travel. I spend a lot of time traveling, because, like, I've always really, really loved traveling, so... Um I was in the US, I was in the hugest country where like you can drive six hours and barely get to like the next big, big city. So mm-hmm. of course a lot of time on the road. Mm-hmm.
0: how was that? How was the road tripping experience like?
1: Better than school would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. It's like you gotta see so much and now America's like exploding. So I, I get, I'm glad I got to see things before they kind of okay. like burn down even more, literally and figuratively. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: which Which places do you go? Like, was it more of like you know, you just took like you just rented a car and just drove down with a bunch of friends?
1: We did do that. Um, we went. We drove both north and south from um the SF San Francisco Bay Area, which is like mm-hmm. there are a lot of places you can go. You can drive a lot of hours without getting anywhere. So mm-hmm. we did that a lot. I don't I can't even give you the names of the places because they're just like random. Like there uh-huh. was that, we went skiing a few times, we mm-hmm. went to Vegas because you know, <sighs> that's important. Uh-huh. Um we only traveled <laughs> out of the country once, we went to Mexico. Mm. That was very fun. Yeah. That was a bit like Bali, but like, but like different.
0: <laughs> you, you did that during the school term? Going e- to Mexico?
1: Yes. I remember <laughs> submitting one of my essays at 3am and like panicking a little bit because the FB&B didn't have good enough Wi-Fi for me to press submit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God.
1: Yes. This is how you live life. Oh. All good.
0: Yes. That's why. That's why. I, this is definitely something that I'm learning from Shin. Like taking a chill pill. <laughs> <laughs> when yes, it comes yes. to work, right, enjoy life, do, doing a bit of exploration. So and actually, right. A
1: lot of exploration.
0: Yes, actually. a lot of exploration. So actually, right, uh, here's a question to, uh, for you that may be related to, you know, those those of our audience who may have just graduated from, you know, JC or just done with poly or and like your, your pre tertiary education, right? So, how do you approach like your pre-university life? What, what do you do? Because, you know, as like many typical Singaporeans would do, right? You know, either part-time jobs, oh, you boy. know, internships, teaching tuition, <laughs> and things like that. So what do you do?
1: <laughs> what did I do? Okay. You yes. can't do what I did now because there's COVID, but once you get vaccinated, I spend my eight months traveling and traveling and more traveling.
0: Are you curious about Shin's exploration after A levels as well as her unorthodox internship experiences after that? Stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast to find out more. And to our audience, if you'd like to hear more of these stories, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our Unibridge community on Telegram. We'll see you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye!